Hi, my name is White James Moore, and you are listening to my dad and your host of the Lifestyle Asset University podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of the Lifestyle Asset University podcast. I'm your host and founder of Lifestyle Asset University, Sean Moore. And guys, today, I, it's just you and I. I don't have any interviews next week. I'm actually really excited. We're, we're going to be interviewing one of our members inside of our group who just bought her first property. And so uh, they, they just ended up buying their very first lifestyle asset. And uh, they had a really fun journey. I want to want to talk to her about it. And uh, we'll, we'll do an interview so that you guys get her perspective on kind of going through that acquisition phase and that acquisition process. And so we'll get to that next week. This week, I've got a little, I got to vent with you a little bit. I've got a, I, I was listening to another podcast recently, and I'm going to be a little vague about the podcast and who it is because I'm going to vent a little bit and I'm going to, I was a little frustrated. So I want to try to protect some identities. However, there were some really great lessons that I learned. And I was listening to this podcast. It's a real estate podcast. And they had this amazing guest on, super successful. She, she's an amazing woman, had some, uh, uh, some amazing successes in real estate, not in the vacation rental world, just in real estate in general. And uh, I was listening to it, and, and these, these, this is a well-known podcast, and the guys on it are super smart as well. I very much respect them and what they're doing. And I started listening to the podcast, and they started interviewing this woman and she started talking about how she's how you know that you know her background and as she started getting into the real estate game and just said you know and she started making a comment that just like have you ever listened to a comment and you're just like your your skin's crawling you're like what are you just want to yell that that I wanted to yell at my radio like what are you talking about and nobody corrected her and I'm like really this is this is the message we're putting out there and her message was in the beginning was you know, I'm just not a big fan of coaching. I'm not a big fan. I feel like that everything you want to find is out there on the internet. And so I, I started diving in and trying to figure this all out on my own. I'm a big fan of just like kind of putting it together on my own. And that, that comment really bothered me because I talked to a lot of successful people. I've been in the game for a long time and my biggest successes and people I know their biggest successes were always when they had great coaching and great mentors and great networks of people that they were around. And so it really didn't sit well with me. I was just like, gosh, come on, this isn't, this is not the right message. There's the message that there's nothing new under the sun is absolutely true. There is nothing new under the sun, but a mentor and a coach helps you understand that, you know, those questions, you don't know what you don't know and you get into something new and you're going to find it out, right? There's a cost to education, whether you hire a mentor or a coach or have somebody that's helping you that you can look up to and, and learn the ropes from, or you go out and do it yourself. And a lot of times that's a lot more expensive and takes a lot more time. And, and we've all been there in different aspects of our life, myself included. And so I was like, man, I just, you know, I'm, I, I was, I was listening to this, just, just getting upset a little bit. And I, and I all, actually almost turned it off. I was like, you know what, this is, I'm not listening to this episode. I'm listening to something else. I don't, I'm not buying into this. And you know, sometimes, you know, I, you, we want to shut something down when, when it's, you know, against our beliefs or whatever else. And so I try to be open-minded and listen to it. And as I started listening to it, I started really learning. And she really started talking about her evolution through real estate. And as she got into it and then joining real estate investment groups and listening to different podcasts and going online and searching for different things. And she started explaining how she was really trying to find her way, right? Real estate, you've heard me talk about it a lot, but real estate is a huge ocean with lots of different lanes and lots of different avenues that you can go down. And 
And she was saying, you know, I, I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. So I started joining my local RIA clubs, which is their real estate investment um, associations. And, and I, I started talking to different people as I started to figure out what I wanted to do. And so luckily I didn't turn it off because then I'm like, okay, well, I, sh- I should have been so quick to be, to, to judge this situation here because she really started diving into that, you know, it was a great way for her to, you know, expand or, or kind of, kind of look at the whole ocean and try to figure out where she wanted to go play in it. And she dabbled in a few different things. And, um, and ultimately she, she did a few different things and ultimately had some mentors and had some coaches. And she started talking about the value of that. And a couple of podcasts back, I talked about the value of specialized knowledge and, and she started talking about, you know, once she started to really, you know, hone her skills in a certain area that, how valuable that was to, but she didn't know what she wanted to do. It's kind of like, you know, we, we talk about, you know, going to the gym and you walk through the gym and there's lots of different things you can exercise and you have to pick what, what muscles or what things you want to focus on to exercise when you're in the gym. You don't, you don't hit every machine in the gym every time you go. And that was kind of her, her lesson of, of, listen, it's okay to not know what you want to do. It's okay to go at this, at this broad ocean and try to figure it out. And then though, what her message was is as you start to figure it out, you really have to start to embrace that new knowledge. You have to, you have to, and the, the, obviously the easiest and fastest way to do that is through mentors and through coaches and through networks. And, um, you know, Tony Robbins always says, you know, that he, you know, he always says that he compresses decades into days. People hire him to compress decades into days. And that's exactly why we hire, right? We don't, like I said, there's nothing new under the sun. You don't, you don't have a mentor help you, or you don't have a coach. You don't hire a coach or you don't surround yourself with certain networks because necessarily because there's some brand new mousetrap that nobody's ever heard of. It's because they're going to compress that time and they're going to they're going to help you answer those questions that you don't even know to ask. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So you will learn new stuff, but it's nothing new to the to the world in general as far as going down that road. Mike Dillard, he always says, if you've never heard of Mike Dillard, he's a he's an amazing entrepreneur, talks to talks to entrepreneurs. He's kind of a business coach, um, been around the game for a long time. And I really like listening to his podcast. He has some amazing guests on there. And he always says, a lot of times I've heard him say that acquiring, there's really only only two ways to change your circumstances, right? There's there's two ways. If you want to do be different today or bif- different tomorrow than you are today and you want to evolve into something new, you want to change your circumstances, there's really only two ways you can do that. One is acquire new information and expand your knowledge base. You have to, you have to expand your mind, expand your knowledge base and acquire that new information. Number two is meet new people and expand your network. So your knowledge base and your network are how you're going to change your circumstances. And many people get into the vacation, the vacation rental game with one idea in mind, right? And then they end up evolving as their knowledge base expands and their network expands. And that's really what I want to focus on today, you guys, is, is we really focus on three main areas in when we talk about lifestyle assets and vacation rentals. We really focus on the acquisition phase. We focus on the setup and management phase. And then we focus on the marketing phase. And one phase is not more or less important than the other. And we tend, in real estate specifically, we tend to begin and end with the acquisition phase. 
You know, if you think about most real estate investing, we focus on the acquisition. We focus on the location, the property type, and then, and that's it. We run the numbers, we run the property analysis, we buy the property and we move on. And, you know, because most real estate investing, you don't have to worry so much about a customer base. You don't have to worry about a customer experience. You don't have to worry about marketing your property and acquiring all these new customers. And so with real estate, a lot of people, that's where they, they kind of get a little bit fall flat sometimes with vacation rentals is because they don't necessarily focus on those other things. Now, there's some tools out there that help us through that, that marketing phase and acquiring those customers and that customer experience. But what, we're, what we tend to do in this space, what the majority of people do is they pass that along. You know, they pass that por- that that part of the process. Once they buy the property, now they pass the buck on to another company to deal with that. Typically, the big OTAs like Airbnb and VRBO, because they've got these huge marketplaces. They've got a lot of they've got these huge customer bases, and and they're they then what we do is we allow them to use our properties to service their customer base, and and then we we essentially rent their customer base, and that's what is typical in the um in the vacation rental space and if you're only going to focus on the acquisition phase your property will be very very market dependent and you're going to continue to compete, uh, compete for those that customer acquisition right you're constantly trying to acquire that customer and in, in more and more saturated markets and so it becomes it feels like you're swimming upstream right if if you if you're running a business and you're constantly worrying about customer acquisition or what the market is doing it's going to feel like, you know, that that hamster wheel or, or swimming upstream because you're dependent on so many outside influences that you really have no control over. That's what a lot of people do when they get into the vacation rental game. So it's important to take it a few steps further, evolve, right? We talked about that evolution and even that evolution of me listening to that podcast of how you know, okay, I, I, I started going at this alone. I started trying to figure out what I want to do. Then I have to get more and more specialized. Then I have to expand my knowledge base by hiring mentors and coaches and that and the like. Then I need to expand my network. And so as you know, evolution takes place in many, many different things and we're constantly evolving. We're constantly moving forward. Our vacation real business is no different. Lots of us get in, we focus on the acquisition phase. We jump on the OTAs. We, we jump on the, you know, with management companies and we allow them to help us get those initial bookings. But then if we stop there, it's like, we're constantly, it's, we're constantly swimming upstream, right? We're constantly swimming upstream. So we need to evolve to be a self-sustaining business. You know, most businesses outside of real estate really understand the customer experience. They understand customer retention. And the, and, and what I mean by that is they understand how to deliver that when once you acquire a customer, that's the hardest part of business is constantly customer acquisition. You always need to be doing it. But if you're constantly eating what you're killing and you don't have those repeat customers, you don't have that a way for that customer, you know, that customer retention to fuel your business on the back end, it's going to get exhausting. And ultimately, you're very market dependent. And it works for a lot of people in vacation rental markets because right now vacation rental markets are white hot. But we should be taking advantage of that and building our customer base because as you evolve in this business, it's way easier to run your business and focus on customer retention 
and that customer experience than constantly having to pay the bills with new customers in that customer acquisition because ultimately markets are going to continue to get more and more saturated. That customer acquisition is going to get harder and harder because most people on those OTAs, most people on the Airbnbs, they're constantly fighting for those customers. And the only way for them to really do that is compete on price because they're not talking to their customer base. What you're doing is you're talking to somebody else's customer base and it's a huge customer base, but there's also a whole bunch of people talking to them. And so what you want to do is narrow that gap and you want to, you want to have your own customer base, much smaller customer base. So, but you're the only person talking to them. So you've got a much smaller customer base and that doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen very, very quickly. And there's, there's huge value in being able to do that. And conceptually, guys, many business owners and professionals really understand this. They understand that the most valuable asset that any business has is its customer base. They understand that it's way more expensive to acquire a customer. That sale costs you a lot more than that second sale when the customer comes back to you. But we don't really apply it with real estate. We don't really apply it that often with vacation in the vacation rental business. So I challenge you to really start figuring out how you're going to do that. How are you going to figure out that unique experience? How are you going to figure out how to stand out in the crowded market? How are you going to how are you going to, you know, evolve off of those OTAs and market your properties yourself and get those direct bookings so that so that now you've got a customer base that you can continue to talk to, you can continue to add value to. You know, how nice is it like we've got we've got our portfolios, we've got customer bases that we can send out emails to and and newsletters to to let them know what's going on in the area. Somebody that may have came and visited our lake house in the summertime now gets a newsletter from us in the fall and with the beautiful fall colors in the mountains and the things and they don't necessarily think about the lake when it's cooler and they see the pictures and we we can share that experience with them and the, and now all of a sudden they're thinking about coming to visit us in some of the shoulder seasons and the off seasons. And that's way easier to do then go on these huge marketplaces with you know thousands and thousands of people talking to the same customers, trying to get them to come back. And most people, you, you just get lost in the crowd. And so you need to that expand that knowledge base, right? You expand your network to change your circumstances. And so I challenge you to really focus on your short-term rental business as, as an actual business, right? Like, like I said, conceptually, most people understand that. Most people understand that the, the evolution of a business and the customer base and the importance of customer retention and the customer experience. So, and we understand in vacation rentals that people need to have a good experience with us, but we also have to have processes and systems in place to be able to communicate with them, to be able to attract them off of those big marketplaces. You know, as a user, the user experience is kind of nice on those marketplaces because you have a lot to choose from, sometimes too much to choose from. And so it's actually kind of refreshing a lot of times from uh, the customers. We talk to, to our guests all the time that say, man, it was really refreshing. It made it so easy because I was looking at a single property and I could get all this information and I didn't have all this noise from all these other properties. And, and so can you know again that that's my that's my little um, lesson for the day is to really challenge yourself to to if you if you're really looking to evolve that business change your circumstances and what's going on or just starting off and starting off on the right foot 
So understand how to make customer acquisition, the customer experience, and customer retention all a major part of your business. And make sure that you have systems and processes in place to help you to evolve to that stage of your vacation rental business. So guys, that's all I've got for you this week. We're gonna wrap it up. If you get any value out of this, like I say every week, please share it, please subscribe, and please leave us a review. Click just, you don't even have to leave us a review, just click on the, the stars, give us a five-star rating if you if you got some value and you felt like it was a, a fun podcast for you to listen to. And we'll keep coming at you every single week and try to keep adding, adding value each week to you as you run down this road. And we all love and talk about this vacation rental industry that is so fun and continues to grow, continues to get more and more mainstream. So appreciate y'all being here. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Lifestyle Asset University Podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit LifestyleAssetUniversity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, it was our dinner conversation at, you know, the table a couple nights ago was what was an asset, you know, versus liability. Yeah. Same thing. They're learning those principles, and they're learning the hard work, which I love. Yes. I mean, we're going up to the cabin every weekend, and we're putting in a lot of our own time to make yeah. that unique experience. So I love that piece, too. My my, um, my husband's obviously up there right now. And my son asked this morning, he goes, mom, I want to go up there. Pretty sure he said that just because he has remote learning today yeah. and he wants to get out of school. But um, he really wants to build the furniture because he knows it's coming in. So yeah. he wants to see that to fruition. And my daughter, is she's very artistic. She loves to paint. So she puts her painting clothes on and she's painting walls with me. And I just love that they have a little bit of that equity, that sweat yeah. equity into this property too, that hopefully one day, this will be theirs down the line as well. And they'll have those memories, but yeah. also it's teaching them some really good financial principles. Yeah. And, and you're spending time together too, yeah. right? It's right. It's yeah. That, and they, yeah, it's, it's an easy way to get our kids to work, right? Free labor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tell, tell them we're buying a vacation home. So awesome. Well, we yeah. talked a lot about the asset. Tell us a little bit about it. Tell us where it's at. And what you've yeah. Found, yeah. What you guys so, are doing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we have, we ended up, we were kind of debating between two different properties. Uh, so outside of Denver, about two hours from here is Breckenridge, big ski resort that everybody knows of. And um, we, we go there all the time in the winter skiing. So we thought that's kind of the area we wanted to center around. Um, <clears throat> the two options were either having a condo in Breckenridge or having a house about 40 minutes out in, in the little town called Fair Play. And so that was the way that we ended up going was we wanted to have kind of this whole entity that we could customize the experience, but also a place that really suits our family. The space suits it better. Um, so it's a four bedroom, uh, two, uh, sorry, four bedroom, three bath house and cabin kind of up in the mountains there. And it's just, Fairplay's got such an interesting little history behind it. It was a gold mining town. So it was actually founded back in 1859. And this, you know, the big Pikes, or, um, Pikes Peak Gold Rush was happening. So all these miners were coming out and and basically the first settlers that came to this area, they rushed and they staked their land and they got these huge plots. Well, the second wave of miners came behind them and what they realized, they, they found it was unfair, right? All these people had made claims and they had these huge lots of land. And just because they were a moment too late, they really didn't have a whole lot left. So the, they kind of set up their own mining camp 
And they called the other one, the first one, grab all, because these people grabbed it all. They took yeah. all this land and their little settlement became known as fair play because they wanted things to be more equitable and fair. So it has just a really cool history of mining. Um, there's still a little ghost town there that actually shows the 1800s buildings. Uh, just a really fun, good people, good, uh, just, you know, heart, like earth kind of people. Kind of where it reminds me of home, Montana. They're just yeah. good, hardworking people. So that's what drew us to that area. So our home is just above that little town. And um, it's at 11,000 feet. So that's why we called it the Alpine. That's going to be our name for the home. Yep. And um, I love hiking. Our family hikes 14ers, which are 14,000 foot peaks for those that don't know or don't live in Colorado. Yeah. So um, we have about 50 of them in Colorado. And we love to hike that. And so ironically, this little cabin overlooks Mount Sherman, which, is, which was actually my kid's first 14er that they ever climbed. So the first 14,000 foot peak that they did just a couple years ago. And we've got views of that. So it just, everything felt like it was coming full circle for us. Um, it was not easy finding a property. As you know, during COVID, yeah. I think some, some spots are really hot. And everybody from the city right now in Denver is trying to find a place outside of the city to get away. So um, luckily, I think that's where we learned a lot too. It was trying to, and trying to find a property but what we really realized is finding those connections in the network of people, that's essentially how we found this one. So this property was not even on the market. We actually got to see it because it was an in-broker deal. And we went in, saw the cabin, saw the views, and we were like, this is the one. And got to put it in an offer basically the moment it went live. Yeah, it's and, and obviously I've seen it as far as pictures and everything else. It's uh... I mean, it looks awesome. I can't wait to come visit it and, and check it out. We'll be, we'll be one of your guests for sure. And uh, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it just looks like an amazing, amazing property. I wanted to kind of touch on a couple things that you mentioned there and unpack a couple things for people that um, sometimes is a, is a little bit of a misconception when you're looking at those areas, right? You mentioned that, you know, obviously Breckenridge is an area that everybody knows about and everybody's familiar with. And sometimes we assume that those are the only areas that are going to make a lot of sense because that's what everybody's coming to. And, and then you said, or you, you know, you've got fair play that's 40 minutes away or so and, and from Breckenridge and, you know, essentially Breckenridge is still a main profit driver for that area in the, in the winter time. People are still going to stay in fair play and go ski at Breckenridge and enjoy or, or even in the summer and enjoy the mountain resort area. But there's other things to do in fair play around that. But you know, as you went through that process, was that ever a concern or a worry for you when you were looking at it, wondering as, you know, do I need to be in the, in the class A resort towns or can I be a little bit on the outskirts and still make this work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I remember running some acquisition deals by you and kind of having that same conversation of do we, like if we were oceanfront, right, do we have to be literally right on the ocean or in our 